0: Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome, or welcome back, to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel, where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. I'm going to reserve a seat for myself in the eight and the 10 o'clock service next week. I'm gonna come to both of them. I wanna talk to you this morning in our series, uh, The Bible Tells Me So, with this message, His cross, your heart, His cross, my heart. As I said in week one, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to uh, craft our Easter series messages the way I have is because I I know that uh, God wants to re-energize our faith. And as I said in week one, I have a burden for those who over the past year or so or years or so have been talking about uh, their faith being shaken and people are deconstructing Christianity and people are uh, announcing they're widely known across the world that they are no longer believers in Christ. And for whatever reason, as I said that week, I don't judge people for that. When you go through tough times, things can be shaken. We're going to look at people that went Uh, through tough times here today. But with that said, I'm praying that God will use these messages. And this is something only the Holy Spirit can do, because I can't do this. Nobody can do this but God. But he can do this. And that's to move the question mark at the end of your thought of faith to an exclamation mark. And so that's what my prayer is. We are in a time where people are questioning, but I believe it's also a time where the Lord graciously wants to rebuild your hope. And so that's my prayer. In this series As I said through weeks gone by We're looking at passages in the Old Testament That lead us to the cross And today we're going to go right to the foot of the cross Right to the foot of the cross And I want you to think about this Um, There couldn't have been anything More shattering than to have been a follower of Jesus For three years Three and a half perhaps And you've left everything to follow him And to end up where You're ending up As the last 24 hours has unfolded, you would think the whole world was coming to an end. You'd think your world was surely coming to an end, but what they wouldn't realize until after the resurrection, when Jesus begins to meet with them again, all of this had been foretold, all of it, that there was someone bigger than they were someone bigger than the roman empire and he was in control of all the things and that's what we need to know today when we live in a world when we don't know what the next thing is that's going to be told on the news alerts that happen maybe on your phone or on the television what is going to happen next will there be what is next we need to know that all of these things have been foretold and god is in control and not only that God is wanting to come up close and personal today with you, with me, with people watching, that people will be watching, people who will be listening. God has tailor-made moments. There are all kinds of moments in life, and sometimes there are more than one God moment. But listen, when God creates a moment, man, we need to seize it. And so I pray that we will all do that. We're going to start in the Gospel of John. John chapter 19, as we begin, and, 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 and as we begin, we are already six hours into the crucifixion. The nails have been driven into Jesus' hands and into his ankles, and it's almost over. There's only a few minutes l- left. It's almost over, and it can seem like everything is ending, but everything is really just beginning, really just beginning. And look what John says. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. And that's what we've been talking about week after week. Jesus said, I am thirsty. And so a jar of wine vinegar was there and so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And I think he proclaimed that. Next verse, with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And the soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. And then this is an interesting passage. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He's talking about this thing of the water and the blood flowing out. He's like zeroing in on that and he's and he's making a big deal about this and look at his he knows that he's telling the truth. And he testifies so that you may also believe. John's favorite word in his gospel for 21 chapters. These things have happened so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Why was John making such a big deal about the blood and water flowing out? Well, when the gospel of John was written, there was a false teaching that was permeating through the church world that said that Jesus of Nazareth wasn't really a human being. He was like an angelic in between god and angels he was like an intermediary and so his humanity there really he wasn't human he was kind of ghosty and 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 when he died you know the the ghost the ghost part uh left and and they and they made hay with that and where they could justify what you did uh sinfully in your body as long as you were a spiritual being and had the like and so it, it it went off into all kinds of error, and John is using this story to say, I saw blood and water come out. In other words, he was a real human being. That's the point of why he's saying that. In other words, out of the pericardial sac, I saw blood and water flow out. He was dead, man. He was dead. He was dead. So All of this was foretold. All of this happened just as God had said through the prophets, even this faith-shattering event that only one disciple showed up for. And something was not only happening in his life, something was happening in the lives of those who stood there, and we're going to talk about that today because God got up close and personal with many of them, and they had not gone to that hill wanting God to get up close and personal with them. But he did, and they acted differently in response to that. And uh, I've heard people who come to Christ... Through a church service, through a sermon they heard, and they'll have this story. Not everybody's like this, but some will say, you know what? I I came to church because I was invited by my mom or my family, and I thought I'd sit in the back, and I would just go through it and and pray that it would be over. That's the only time I prayed. Prayed it would be over soon. I could get up. But as the event happened, as things unfolded, something started happening on the inside of me. Anybody have a story like that? Wave at me. That's my story. Anybody, wave at me again. I I can only see. Wave real big. There you go. That happened to me. That's how it worked for me. Not everybody, but that's what God did, and I pray that God will do that too. Let's look at some people in this story and see if they remind you of anybody you might know. Now, this first guy, Pilate. Uh, Pilate. Can you imagine being Pilate? He's the governor of Rome. He is... uh, stationed in uh, in J- Jerusalem has his fortress in the city and he vacations in Caesarea Philippi from time to time but he is there when all this is going down and these Jewish priests bring this person to him and and they want Pilate to uh, condemn him to death because they don't have the legal authority being under Roman occupation to do such a thing. But if they were in power, they'd be able to do it because they say to Pilate, this man broke the law of Moses and claimed himself to be God, which is blasphemy. And Pilate very soon, and this is amazing, very quickly, I don't know how this happened, but very quickly came to, and to, in, in, in interacting with Jesus in a very short period of time, says to the priest, I don't find anything wrong with this man. He's not a biblical man. He's a Roman. He's probably worshiping a different God. And I I don't find anything wrong with this man. But they keep pressing him. They keep pressing him. And he's feeling the pressure of that. But something's going on in the way he sees this person named Jesus of the Nazarene. And and he inquires about his background and finds out that he comes from Galilee. He thinks, well, here's my out. Galilee Send him to Herod. So he pushes him away, goes to Herod, hoping Herod will just deal with it, either release him or do what, he, what the Jews want him to do. And Herod sees him, sends him back. So you thought you made your first move to get it out of your way, and, out, and it's right back in front of you again. So he interrogates him more, and as he interrogates him, Jesus begins to talk to him. Jesus, it's interesting what, what happens uh, with Pilate, because Jesus, he says, are you a king? He goes, they say I am a king. What have you done? He doesn't answer him. And he begins to interact with the Jewish leaders. He says, I don't find anything wrong with this man. And then they tell Pilate what he's done again. And he's, so he, he has him whipped And he's thinking, well, maybe if I'll trigger their emotions, I'll trigger their empathy, and and maybe once they see that I've really uh, uh, brought uh, Roman justice on him in in a way short of death, they'll change their mind, let the man go. That'll be enough. And so when they bring Jesus out, what we know from Isaiah is he is beaten beyond recognition. And more, and he's disfigured more than any human. He doesn't even look human. And, 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 in, and in Latin, uh, which, uh, which Pilate spoke, he says, Eche homo, behold this man. Take a look at this man. And it triggers the venom in them to shout even louder, Crucify him. Crucify him. So he brings him back in again, and he, and he wants to find a reason to be able to say, I don't want to. And he asks Jesus, Where are you from? And he doesn't answer him. He says, don't you realize that I have the power to crucify you or set you free? And Jesus says, you would have no power over me lest it had been given you. He who has delivered you to me, he's the greater sinner. And then he asks him, are you asking this on your own initiative? Jesus in that moment is is looking for a way to lead. Christ is looking for a way to lead this man to Christ. And at this time, with the pressure on, he gets a note from his wife. She texts in and says, no, no, she, she gets through. Have nothing to do with this righteous man. I suffered much in a dream about him last night. This is the, this is the weight Pilate's under. But he yields because his life would be threatened if it gets back to Rome that he chose this king over Caesar and so he has him condemned to be crucified somebody was warned supernaturally somebody was that close that actually had Jesus speak verbally into his life and say I'm giving you an opportunity here and there are people like that in the world they are the governors and the kings of their own domain until God comes up Real close and personal. So, what does Pilate do? He washes his hands. I'm innocent of this man's blood. And then, to placate his own emotions, he puts a title over the cross that says, This is the King of the Jews. And he writes it in three languages. The Jews say, Take that down. Just say he said it. And Pilate's way of easing his conscience No, no, no. I'm going to make a confession here. I believe Jesus is the King of the Jews. So, there you go. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. We're not good. Because what we're going to find in all of these people's reactions is whether they know it or not, you either crown him or you crucify him. there, There is no middle ground with Jesus of Nazareth. We think there is. That brings me to the next crowd the religious creatives. These are the religious leaders of the day, the Jewish priests, the scripture scholars, and the teachers of the scriptures who have authority over all of the religious community. And I'll tell you one of the things that we don't realize. Most of these guys were nice. They weren't, they weren't serpents. Like they, they were in the eyes of, uh, of righteousness and com, com, contrasting to the righteousness of God. That's why John the Baptist tried to shock the water to get them to see But in the eyes of people, they were just nice ministers. And Jesus even said, you guys have a nice way of setting aside the command of God to hold to your traditions. It would have been shocking. And see, these people were were not only the religious leaders, but they they became rich from the financial gain of being the religious leaders. And they had a thing going on and then Jesus came along, this peasant king from north, Galilee, like a hillbilly kind of part of Israel, and he is shining blinding light through just being himself. And is taking the meaning of the scriptures and saying, they tell you, but I say to you, and explaining it, and the common man heard him, welcome, welcomed his words, and wonderful things are happening, and in the midst of him exposing light, he's exposing their darkness. And the religious creativity uh, of their life, they couldn't hide that they, behind the niceness was something else. And so what happens to religious freelancers who talk about spirituality and they have their own way to God, whether it's through crystals or whether it's through whatever, or whether it's some form and fashion of a little Jesus and a little Buddha and a little whatever, and it's all good. If Jesus, if, 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 if the cross comes up close too, too close, then you're you're put in the position, you have to discredit the influence or you have to conspire against the influence and when it comes down to it, you might have to kill it. And that's what they did. It's interesting, there was another group of people around the cross that day and I'd call them the godless mobs. There were the godless mobs and there were the clueless bypassers. Uh, the godless mob that it says those who passed by hurled insults at him shaking their heads now the godless mob they were these people and these clueless bypassers they were people that were on their way to somewhere else they didn't like come out for the event. They were on their way to somewhere else because that wasn't important. They, they, they were godless. They weren't godly. They weren't a little god. They were godless. There was a vacuum. These were just mobster people, they're not like a mafia people, but just like a group of people that are on their way to somewhere else, and they're going down their lane of life. They're their own god. They're all self-absorbed. It's all about me and nobody else. Me and we, and me and we, and we're all a bunch of me's and a group of we. And we're on our way. We're not thinking about God. We're not thinking about anything. But then in the lane of life, there's this God happening going on, and they can't resist giving a comment. Do you know anybody like that? They can't resist it. They are deep in self-life, and all of a sudden, they come across this road, and there's a God happening on their road. And so they can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. They're like the people who, in your Facebook uh, friend group, you never hear from them. You never hear from them on your birthday. They never like your cute pictures of your kids or nothing like that. But as soon as you post something about your faith, they come out of nowhere. They come out of nowhere, and they gaslight the situation And you go off to work and you come back six hours later and there's 35 comments under by all the other people that jumped in as the vultures gathered. And you've seen that they have nothing to say to you. They've never asked you how you're doing, how you're feeling, never give you happy birthday. But then you see underneath that they have just written this long philosophical expertise with answers to the deep mysteries of life and of course, why God and Jesus either aren't the only way, but are uh, not even real. The godless mob, they're on their way, and they stop, and they hear this is going on, so the only thing they have to say is, yeah, 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 why don't you, hey, yeah, if you really are him, why don't you come down from the cross, and then we'll, we'll believe. That's them. And then the bypassers, these are just people that, they got things to do. They got things to do. They got things to do. Prophetic fulfillment all around them, but... They got things to do. Unknowing to them that the God who created everything, the God who gives the pagan and the hedonist every breath, grants them the right to have another day of a beating heart, grants them a grace that they never recognize, every happy birthday sung to them, every sunrise, every sunset given to them, who even are lucky enough to have a friend or two, a caring neighbor, or in their death vigil, a nurse that stands by and helps them through, throughout all of life, have never thought or had any reason to thank him or give him glory. And God is on the cross, listening to them, unfolding the promise of scripture that's been foretold since the Garden of Eden. The godless mob, or the uh, sort of like I hear about it and I'll go by it and I'll take a look at it. And every now and then, and like uh, like the Ricky Bobby jokesters, who if they pray, it's dear Lord, baby Jesus. It's 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 as much as of a joke as it is for real. Dear Lord, baby Jesus in the manger, please help me to find a good deal at the Walmart sale. Or the touchdown Jesus nod and wink at the football game. Thanks, touchdown Jesus, and here's to you. You know what I'm saying. And it is funny, isn't it? it? It is. It is. It is. And I've laughed at that. I, I remember somehow or another, the, the, someone sent me the Ricky Bobby prayer at the at the table, and I remember laughing. But you know, and, and, but but then, but but when but, but, but when you stand at the foot of the cross, where 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 the sanctity comes back, that the God who holds the world in His hand is dying for the sins of mankind. That the one on that cross is not manger baby Jesus. It is the one who is carrying everybody's sin at such a level in his life that it's actually separating him from his father. And he's willing to do it. That's who he is. That's what's going on. 400 messianic prophecies, they say, in the Old Testament, the only testament. And within 24 hours, 16 of them are being fulfilled. I ask you this question. In all of history, who in history besides Jesus of Nazareth has fulfilled in one day, one 24-hour time frame, the following? In every psalm I'm going to quote, was written at least a 1,000 years before, or up to 500 years before, before. That there was this mysterious one who was going to die a humiliating death, Psalm 22, was going to be rejected, Isaiah 53, betrayed by a friend, describing how, in Psalm 41, exactly the way Judas betrayed Jesus, sold for 30 pieces of silver, which Zechariah prophesied, five centuries before Jesus is sold for 30 pieces of silver. That when he is accused before his accusers, he stands silent as a lamb, Isaiah 53. Who in all of history besides Jesus in 24 hours fulfills all, in 20, not through 24 years, in a day, all of these. In one day, boom, boom, beaten beyond recognition with his beard plucked out of his face, Isaiah 52. Spat upon, Isaiah fifty. Piercing his hands and his feet. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 22. Crucified with thieves. Crucified with thieves. Yeah. Isaiah 53, 12. And prayed for his persecutors as they did. Isaiah 53, 12. Given gall and vinegar to drink. Psalm 69. Are you hearing me? Not a bone broken. Psalm 34, here's this one. Buried in a rich man's tomb. A a rich man, down to that. Hey, I can see God, let's play. What is it, we got got 500 years? Hey, they're gonna bury him in a rich man's tomb. Isaiah 53, nine. Let's do this one too, let's blow their minds. They're gonna gamble for his clothing. Psalm 20, again, Somebody might hit one of these over 20 years in a day. And that's only 16 of the 400. I'm going to talk about this next week. The mathematical probabilities of one human being doing all that is is, is so exponentially beyond the pale. It's incredible. All that's going on that day. While those around are, are mocking or whatever, that's what's going on. That's what went on as we have gone on. There is a moment in time in all of the times of existence that God will point to one day in everybody's future and say, right there. There are other people at the cross. There's another one, a brokenhearted cousin. I don't call him a disciple. This was John. Three years earlier up in the Galilee with his brother James, son of Zebedee, and then with partners Simon Peter and his brother Andrew were personally invited to follow Jesus of Nazareth. And they did. I believe that John is standing there not as a believer, but as a doubter, and I don't judge him for that. He's probably beyond mystified. He was, he was watching his faith Dying before his eyes, he's not thinking any second now. He represents. He represents people who I, I began this series for. People who saw God do things in their life, felt God. Began to change their life, put all in with him, and 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 thought they had promises, thought they understood the scriptures, thought they understood his ways, and now everything's turned upside down, and their image of God, which they thought was real, is dying right in front of them, and it isn't going to change. And you're you're still emotionally attached to something that you don't even know is real anymore, because to turn from this is terrifying, but but you're watching what you're. Not wanting to turn from, not, it's dying in front of you. I believe that's John. Some say cousin? We know John the Baptist was his cousin. John the Apostle? This is interesting. According to church tradition, and, and this is also, one of, the, one of the women that's standing at the foot of the cross is a woman by the name of Salome. Salome. And, and, and a lot of conservative church uh, scholars say that Salome was the wife of Zebedee. And in one account of the Gospels, it says that Salome was Jesus' mother Mary's sister, which would have made John and James Jesus' cousin. Smith's Bible Dictionary, Easton Bible Dictionary, if you're interested. Greek scholars aren't James Orr and Alfred all agree with that. So here is a church going kid. Watching his church collapse. Here is a PK. Watching the P fall by the wayside. Here is A moment where it's like, God, please! And why is this happening? Why are you contradicting yourself? He's at the foot of that cross. But here's the thing: when we are in such a whirlwind, when we are gripped by it, and it is, it seems to be pulling us down, and everything is ending, and everything is dying. In the sovereignty of God, he's allowing it to happen because he's going to come in a new way and bring you up in a new way. Just hold on in these moments. Hold on in the moments of the crucifixion. And I don't say this is a cliche. There isn't a promise for us that three days after, it's all going to change. But up the road somewhere because he is the risen son of God. He is going to bring you up. Just stand. Just stand. And if you fall, lay in a place where God can touch your life. What I would do... If I wasn't doing this right here, in the moments when there have been moments where I've had to do this, where everything in me was, only God, only God has always come back into my world when I couldn't get to his and didn't expect me to stand on my feet. He got down off his. He got down off his. And that's the Jesus I know. Jesus, I know. So until that changes in your world, and and I—I don't know if you're in this crowd or not. I don't know if you're watching. I don't know if you're listening. But I know you're out there because it's permeating all over the world in many places. While you're still in that mode, if you can't stand, just stay, lay in the place, and say, "God, I'll die here in doubt." before I turn back, I don't, I don't think God will let you down. I know God won't let you down. You might have the greatest, do you know this guy I'm talking about? When Mary Magdalene says we, 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 he, he's risen, Peter runs to the tomb, and John runs with him, and I love, I love John puts this little dig in, you've got to read the Bible closely. John puts this little dig in and he goes, Peter ran first, but I outran him and got there first. I think it's like, you have 500 in your church? I got 509 in our church. I think it's that guy. He's like, wherever this goes, Peter's going to read that and be like, ha, ha, ha. Uh, that's, that's, that's what I would have done. That's what, I'm just projecting my, my thing on, on John right there. But he did, he did say, I got there first. And then he also says this, Peter looked in and saw the things and came out and wondered. John says, I looked in and saw the things and, and believed. Whew. I think he's, I think he's like a little fisherman thing, like, You caught four, I got nine. I think that's what he's doing, man. That's what he's doing. This is the guy that's standing at the cross. At least I'll take care of his mom. To that guy. To that guy. This is one of my favorite guys. The centurion. He's not a Jew. He's not a Bible guy. He doesn't know about Noah's Ark. He doesn't know about. Noah. He's in a country that he doesn't want to be in, serving in a situation that's way back from where he wants to be in Rome, and he has to be a part of the crucifixion team. He's over a hundred other soldiers, centurion, and there he is, and he is positioned right at the foot of this man's cross, and he's over six hours watching him groan, watching him moan listening to all them, hearing his mother. Can you imagine what Mary was doing? Simeon, when Jesus was eight days old, looked at her and said, something's going to pierce your soul like a sword. Have you ever heard anybody scream when they've been pierced with a sword? I haven't. I can't imagine what Mary, Mary wasn't standing there singing hymns. What would you be doing? That's what I'd be doing. And he's hearing all this and after so many hours the sun doesn't shine anymore and it gets dark in the middle of the day and something's going on he doesn't know what it is and he's watching this guy and he's pre- he already asked he already asked his god to forgive all, all of them forgive us and he's captured by a sovereign act of reality that he just happened to be placed in by someone under, with more authority than Pilate. And there he was. And when Jesus breathes his last, this centurion says, oh, and the ground started shaking too, that'll add to it. This man was truly innocent. That's one gospel. The other gospel says, this was the son of God. The literal says, this man was a son of the gods. That's this guy. And then there's the crook who comes clean. Like Isaiah said, he, the Messiah they would think he was dying for his own sins. He would be crucified with thieves. But what he was really doing was stealing the hearts of the people. The best, the best theft that's ever taken place. And this criminal, along with the other criminal, early in the game was mocking Jesus too. But as the sky grew dark... And the breaths in his own life began to become more labored, and it got real, real fast. It's how merciful God is. God in his mercy, because you can't even come to Jesus unless the Father draws you. Nobody found Jesus, Jesus found us something begins to change inside of him and he looks over and he sees that of all the places in the world where this could happen and of all the times in the world where the execution or calendar could have been set, God caused this guy in his sin to get caught so that being caught he would be placed right next to the Savior of the world and get it I know people and I don't know about you but I know I feel this way I feel like I'm the least of these the apostle Paul you ever read his stuff in the last letter he wrote he goes you know what I'm the worst sinner of all that's not hyperbole I think he felt that way Sometimes I think that I don't ever want to get used to thinking I, I I've earned this. I, I I don't want to ever think I've earned it. I don't ever want to. I don't want ever. No matter what. Don't. No matter what. I want to go. I want God to always keep me back where I where I should where my feet should never leave, right at the foot of that cross, knowing I have no business hearing. I have no business knowing. And God, in a moment of time in my life, and in your life, and in your life, and in your life, and those who are watching, those who are listening, maybe someone will tell you about this. You'll hear it on Facebook. They'll share it, and there's something inside of you that says, hit, click. And like, and, and you don't know why, and you did, and now you've listened this far in, and it's like God's hooked you on the, on the hook, and he's reeling you in, and you don't even, you're, you're pulling back, but it's reeling hard. And uh, there you are. Or maybe you're dying, or maybe something's dying, or maybe you know whatever is, was is no more, and you're crushed, and you don't even see a reason to live, and you got hours maybe, and God has all of a sudden placed you and your sin and your penalty right next to your way out. And you don't have to know scripture and you don't have to know creeds and you don't have to call the priest. You just turn your eyes toward this one named Jesus and say his name and ask him to help you. And he'll give you more than you ever, ever, ever could imagine. And say, today you'll be with me in paradise. How many of you love that Jesus right there? Mm Mm-hmm. They were absentees, absentees. There were nine other disciples, Judas is gone, nine other, not one of them showed up at the foot of the cross. You know, if I'm gonna make up a lie to convince the world of a new religion I wanna start, I'm not gonna use the technique that these gospel writers use. I want you to believe this. This is so believable that the people who followed him didn't believe in him when he died. Were they at the cross? Did they die too? No, 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 they ran for their lives like scared little rats. They weren't there. But he was dying for them too. And then the guilt-riddled fishermen He's the guy that's told all the youth group that, hey, if they all go back to party in life, not them, not that, no. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the youth president. I'm leading a missions trip. I'm the water walking worshiper. I got answers for the questions you're not even asking. I'm good to go. If they all turn away... It's, I'm with you all the way, right? And after that doesn't happen, and everybody knows it, how are you going to show up at the foot of the cross? That's Simon. I was thinking about one of my favorite pastors, and pastor's wife, who now, after pastoring for 30-some years and planning churches all over the world, including Russia, including Ukraine. Word has come out that, that this pastor has uh, had some indiscretion in his life, and now they've got uh, 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 streaming network documentaries about him never mentioned anything good he ever did, never, never talked about all the people that God used in spite of the guys, th- whatever, to touch a life. Now it's all about, now it's all about, and Christians dig that. You know why you dig it? Because it's not you. And it would never happen to you, would it? Never happen to you. Well, for people like that, He's dying for them, too. And if we all just stay at the cross, we don't care about our brochures. If we all just stay at the cross, we don't self-anoint to go on a hunt to expose everybody's jot and tittles that are not crossed right and dotted right. If we all just stay at the cross and realize none of us, none of us could ever boast the people who need to come back to the cross may feel that there's a bridge to come across. But when you're posting and sharing, guess what happened to this guy? Guess what happened? Did you hear about? Did And that guy is out there going, and the devil is saying through that, you, you can't come home, you can't come back. Dear Lord, help us, please help us. Please help us. Do you know, you know, you know the re, the, we need the cross message, friend. We need the, the, we need the Holy Spirit presence so strong that even when God is using you in that presence, you, <laughs> you never mistake God working through you, as God working through you because you're worthy of it. Help us, Lord. I'm going to close in a minute. Let's go to the next part. Any you getting anything out of this? Was that next verse? All the crowds that had gathered for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they went home striking their chest. One translation says they beat their breasts. It's a it's a Middle Eastern uh, uh, description of lamenting, feeling bad, feeling emotionally moved by something that's so bad it's so bad that you are just emotionally distraught over it and then the centurion once again giving his uh giving his confession but this reminds me of uh i'll i'll call them holiday believers um now holiday believers like you know there are christ there are christmas holiday believers that, that are they in or out i don't know uh Ask ask the people that are judging Brian Houston. They'll tell you. Um, They they know everything. Um, They'll tell you. But whether they're in or out, I don't know. But, but, But they think he's their savior, and he might be. But he's not their Lord. And the holiday believer loves Christmas Eve, and they love shopping, and they love to hear the Andy Williams and the... And the Christmas music, the fa la la las and all that. And, but they like the old, they, they like the, they, you got to have the old. And listen, if they come to Christmas Eve, you got to do it their way. They, they wanted to hear the old songs because it gives them the feels. It gives them the feels. And you know what? Even the merchants of the earth are all into that. Do you ever notice how spiritual the merchants of the earth are? From, uh, from, from as soon as the great pumpkin leaves until, until, until the ball drops? The merchants of the earth, man, Jesus is welcome. Come on in. Bath and body, bath and body, bath and body, bath and body. You name it. Jesus is in the market. Jesus, oh, little town, yeah, come on in. Oh, little town, yeah, more, and more, come on in. Yeah, here's four. Three for $9.99. Oh, joy to the world. But I I was buying Easter stuff for my grandkids the other day, and there was no... On a hill far away. I didn't ask you to sing, I was just telling you. I'm just kidding. Jesus keep me near the cross. Yeah. Uh, that one doesn't sell. You know, uh, I was sinking deep in sin. Sin. No, 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 no. No. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Right? So but the feels, oh man, the feels. Three, listen, I used to be one of them. Even in my lowest thing, in my living my own life, I loved Christmas Eve. And I loved, I even came to church at Easter because I loved, and I'd even watch some, some of the movies on TV because I wanted to have the feels. I wanted to have that little emotional bit of thing about Jesus on the cross. And I didn't, I wasn't mocking it. I, I believed in that. I, 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 I didn't live for him. I didn't, but I, but the feels. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, you're a feeler, but not a follower. You lo- and there's people that they love. They love church. They love things about. They love things about our church. The coffee and the nice people and the chairs and the thing and, and me <laughs> and. Uh, you know, but, but so they beat their breast and they went home. It doesn't say they went home and they said, you know what? I'm sick of living this phony life. I want to follow this man. It's, 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 I want the saving. I want the singing. I want the, but the lordship. I surrender all. Where did those songs go? Where did the I Surrender All songs go? Where did they go? Where did they go? Why is it predominantly, you love me just the way I am? Just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me, and you bid me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I mean, there's there's a hook in that one some of these songs. Dustin did that because he lives and I, I felt church come on me all of a sudden. You know what I mean? I believe... It's, this is so deep with me. I don't even know how to put it in words, and I'm afraid to say it in certain ways because it'll just, it could say it in a way that makes me sound like I'm being uh, critical of, of uh, when I'm not, but I have a deep burden. It, it's the same burden that men of God shared with me back when everybody started shutting down and not doing Sunday night church. And some of the old timers got, with a lot of us new timers, and said, whatever you do, don't stop having church on Sunday night. And I remember some of us cool cats that had more people in their church than they did. Just be like, ah. Not disrespectfully, but just, ah. Like, eh. And what about Wednesday night church? Remember Wednesday night church when George Washington and all those guys came to church? Uh, I got a deep burden about now the radical thing to do is to come to Sunday morning church four or five weeks in a row. Because some people after that get nervous. And the tribulation means going to church in the rain. I don't, I'm just... There's things that bother me, there's things that bother me. While the world is maniacally messed up, and there are segments of power groups in the world that are hell-bent on making sure this country and the West never returns never returns to any kind of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jesus, Peter, James, and John. I wonder how many kids are being named Paul and Peter today compared to how many kids in the 40s were being named Paul and Peter today. My little granddaughter over here this morning with her sucker... And looking up at Dustin and Brooke and the team and doing that thing, I'm praying for her and for Zoran and for all of your kids, I'm praying, God, give them a Holy Ghost visitation that will turn them inside out, right side up, upside down. And when the floods of this world come, they will have something that like a well springing up on the inside will say, you do what you want, but as for me and my house and for me and my dorm room and for me and my, we're gonna serve the Lord. And, And a lot of that has to do With where the modern-day church places the message of the cross, I said, "Where it's placed in the in the in the book of Revelation." I'm, I'm way off my notes now. I'll never come back. But in the book of Revelation, the Lamb is in the center of the throne, not on the side. The wind isn't in the center and the rain isn't in the center and the elders aren't in the center and the preachers aren't in the center and the churches aren't in the center the lamb's in the center and you know who everybody in heaven has their eyes on? the lamb, the lamb, the lamb you know why? because he was slain and with his blood he purchased men for God I tremble thinking that in this modern day era, era, I represent what Simon and Andrew and James and Paul paid their lives to say. And I pray for a visitation. I pray for a moment at the foot of that cross. I'm gonna close with this, last slide. Last slide. Let this message not only move your heart, let him have your heart. And you might say, Tim, I gave my heart to Jesus when I was 15 years old. I want to ask you this question, is that it? You haven't had to give it to him again? I feel like I got to give it to him every day. Not because I I don't mean I have to get saved every day. I don't know about you, but by four o'clock this afternoon, the winds of the world and the waves of the world start to work, right? And by the end of the night, there are times I need to go, Jesus. Man, today was a wonderful day. Walking in the streams of heaven, and then there's other days. It's like, "Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude tender mercies." Have blot right. I know when I want to know my heart is right at the finish line. At the finish line, and between here to there. I want to keep letting my, letting my heart f- go from being moved to ha- letting him have it. And so I ask you to stand. I want to preach where everybody's shouting and dancing down the aisles at the end of the service. Not where everybody's going. But, 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 I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's somebody in this room like Tim McGregor at 17 years old or not, but i tell you who he was. He was sitting in a service like this and knew everything the pastor said, knew all the verses, had all the feels at different times in the church, but he, but, but, but Jesus didn't have my heart. And I've been in a lot of services like that. I was an expert church service goer. And one day he went from out here to like right here. <laughs> I'm like trying to look around. It's like right here. I started pressing right here. And I pray if that's you friend. I pray that you lose your expertise in slipping away. And I pray that God grabs you. There might be thousands and thousands and thousands of people who will or will not be influenced by what you do in the moment when God takes you from the fields to surrender and Lord I pray the Holy Spirit so warm and strong and irresistible in this place Christians would you pray with me right now Lord I pray for the the warmth the, the fire the love the conviction the fear of the Lord so strong In those today that continually are moved emotionally but not changed, it touches their soul but doesn't change their spirit, that today would be the day for you. By a power that's beyond the power of man's persuasion, a demonstration of the Spirit to mark a moment in time for those that are here And those that are watching, those that are listening. Friend, if that's you, your life, God ordained it before you were born to hear him speak through a preacher to bring you out of the darkness into marvelous light and change. I pray with these altars open that you would make a public step out of the crowd at the cross and kneel at the foot of the cross. From the back to the front, I pray you'd do that. Whether you're in a car, whether you're watching, or in a dorm room, wherever, you'd get on your knees somewhere as soon as you can, and you would just say, Lord, I'm yours. Here's my heart, here's my soul. Here's the thing that I've held back. I've given you money, I've given you time, I've given you service, I've given you words, I've given you everything, but the one thing you've always wanted, here's my heart. Here's my heart. And I give it to you today. And I give it to you again in Jesus name I'll meet you right here we'll pray with you in Jesus name amen hey this is pastor Dustin and thanks for listening if you live in the western Maryland area we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings for directions service times and information about our fabulous children's and student environment please visit my